This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. The BFM Breakfast Grill, connecting you to top people and ideas. Powered by U-Mobile, Malaysia's number one 5G network. BFM 89.9, this is The Breakfast Grill. I'm Keith Kam. This is where Australia's economic destiny lies. That was what Prime Minister Anthony Albanese said back in September at the ASEAN Summit in Jakarta as he laid out a new economic blueprint which he hopes will strengthen Australia's trade ties with Southeast Asia. This marks the country's most significant upgrade of its economic engagement in this region, home to more than 660 million people. This plan aims to grow two-way trade with the region to 534 billion Aussie dollars by 2040, leveraging on a wide range of sectors from fashion to health to agriculture. It also comes at a time when the over-dependence on China amid current geopolitical headwinds becomes as crucial as drumming up more business that will benefit all parties. With us this morning is Australia. Australia's special envoy to Southeast Asia, Nicholas Moore. He is the author of this blueprint entitled Invested, Australia's Southeast Asia Economic Strategy to 2040. Welcome to BFM, Nicholas. Thank you, Keith. It's great to be here. Nicholas, you started work on this blueprint back in November 2022. Why was the focus on Southeast Asia as opposed to, you know, deepening ties with China, which has uh, admittedly deeper pockets? Well, it's a a good question. Uh, It was a new government in Australia we had that had been elected and the Prime Minister and the Foreign Minister both were very clear that albeit Australia's relationships with the region were good, Mm -hmm. they could be better. And from a government-to-government viewpoint, excellent relationships across the region. Uh, People-to-people relationships. We are just talking earlier, Keith, about your your nieces. My family, Uh, yeah. We've got over a million people from Southeast Asian backgrounds uh, in Australia. Just uh, Malaysian students. We think there are about 300,000 Malaysian students who've been through Australian universities. So we have excellent people-to-people relationships. And from a trade viewpoint, it's it's a good story, but not a great story, given our proximity. So basically, our trade has remained two-way trade between Australia and the region at about 14% on a a pretty constant level. Uh, Investment has been underdone in terms of Australian investment in the region. So the government, the incoming government in Australia, is very committed to seeing increased trade and also increased investment. And in terms of investment in trade, the instructions were given were two-way trade in investment. So we're not here uh, in Malaysia saying you should uh, buy more Australian uh, exports. It'd be great if you did, but we're as, as it's as interesting to us to increase the amount of exports from Malaysia to Australia. Reciprocity in this case, yeah. Exactly. Well, mm-hmm. we, we, would like, we would like more imports from the region. And, and coming back to your, your earlier point, Keith, about, about China, China has been a terrific market for Australia and everybody in the region. But what COVID emphasised is a lesson I think we all should have known beforehand is the is you can't be just dependent upon right. one market. And so the world has embraced this expression, China plus one. China will, will be there, will be critical for Malaysia, it will be critical for Australia. But all countries in the region and indeed around the world need diversification of markets in terms of where we buy from and where we sell to uh, because things are unpredictable. Absolutely. Now, Australia's relationship with China has been described as, uh, I suppose, frenemies is one of the best words that I could, I could use. Uh, there were some sticking points during the Scott Morrison administration, but things 
things seem to have improved somewhat with Mr. Albanese. Tell me then, uh, I was just wondering, would this focus on Southeast Asia sort of take away some of the economic relationship benefits with China? Is it one or the other? No, definitely not, Keith. I think it's a great point. Uh, I think... Uh, we, China is Australia's number one trading partner and for the foreseeable future will continue to be the number one trading partner for Australia. We're, we're very complementary and that's, this point has been made by many people in terms of the resources Australia has to export, mm -hmm. the services, the needs for China. But it's not just China where we have a complementary relationship. Many of the countries in the region here, we have a similar complementary uh, relationship where the commodities Australia sells, whether it be for energy such as coal and gas, whether it's agricultural products, obviously Australia is known as a supplier of high quality agricultural uh, products into That's the right. region. Um, and as well as that, we're a good market for, for manufactured goods from China, but also the Asian region as well. And what we're very keen is to see the, the, the supermarket share, the variety stores within Australia to have more Asian product on the shelf. It already is growing, yeah, obviously. I, I know. I've already, seen Sydney. <laughs> exactly. You've seen it growing. But we, we, we know it's going to grow more because as the economies develop, as the uh, productivity increases, so much more of those products. And it's, uh, it's you know, the, the, the great thing about dealing with China, and this is came through with our discussions with Australian companies, a very reliable, uh, very large suppliers, very good logistics. Now, that's being replicated now across the region. Here in Malaysia, it's, it's obviously been replicated for a long time. Excellent ports, excellent roads. Uh, Vietnam, Indonesia, similar sort of story, developing more in terms mm -hmm. of the provision of the infrastructure, which means if you're a buyer, you can be a lot more confident the goods are going to arrive on time when you need them, uh, which is the key thing, of course, if, if you're in business. So, so China has a big advantage, uh, but the region is growing so rapidly and all those key elements of reliability, uh, a lot of them are there already, but they're just getting better and better every day. But I do remember there were some concerns over security <coughs> with, with China, cybersecurity uh, issues and uh, are, are those things being addressed and how is this balanced out uh, in, in, in today's world uh, and relationship with, with China? I mean, yeah. things have improved under Mr. Albanese, I'm sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. So the Prime Minister has had a visit to China. Um, obviously, um, uh, you know, what our report is focused on, though, is is not China, but is focused on the Southeast yeah. Asian region. And, and also, we're very focused on two-way trade and investment. Now, as you're implying, Keith, and quite rightly, Good trade and investment is a subset of good relationships between governments, and we do have very good relationships between governments in the region. So therefore, we should have good trade and investment flowing as well. Uh, are there concerns with, uh, I mean, before I get into more details about the Southeast Asia relations, I, are, are there concerns with regards to, you know, geopolitical uh, uh, issues with China, you know, with South, the South China Sea issue, Taiwan? Do, do you feel somewhat unsettled at, at, at this point, uh, wanting to grow China's relationship with Australia just as much as you want to do with Southeast Asia? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the important thing and where the, where the government in terms of initiating this came from is Southeast Asia are our neighbours. Our neighbours are in the Pacific and our neighbours yeah. are in Southeast Asia. And when we wake up tomorrow and we wake up in a thousand years, you know, our neighbours will be our neighbours. And, and it's those relationships that are uh, most important to Australia and that's the, why the government has clearly had to focus on our, our neighbours. We need to have the strongest and the highest quality relations we can with our, with our neighbours. And it's very natural then for 
that relationship to not just be government to government, not just be to security related, both of which are very mm -hmm. good, but also extending as far as possible, particularly given this wonderful base we've been talking about before, uh, where we have so many people um, in Australia who are connected with the region and so many people in the, in the region who, who are connected uh, uh, to Australia. And we have just... A, and this is what happens with neighbours, yeah. right? You know, neighbours are, are close like that and that's what we want to build on. Yeah, it's becoming an increasingly, border, increasingly borderless world as well. Uh, let's focus on you a little bit, Nicholas. Mr Albanese touted your, your experience in making the Macquarie Group a bank with one of the largest footprint in Indonesia. Talk to me about the challenges in navigating this market in Indonesia and what you can bring to what his vision is for Australia and Southeast Asia. Yeah. So, so Macquarie, Macquarie Group, uh, I was there for about 33 years. In the last 10, the last 10 years, I was the chief executive. And over the time I was, I was there, and it wasn't just my project, it was the whole organisation, yeah. uh, built it from being an Australian-based organisation into a global uh, business. And so uh, I... I think I think the number today is about eighty percent of the income for Macquarie is from outside Australia, uh, main markets being the United States and Europe, but also a, a good presence uh, in the Asian region itself. So Macquarie, for example, here in Kuala Lumpur, you know we've had an office here right. uh, since the nineties. I remember you know working in the office here in the nineties, and similarly in Indonesia, we've had businesses there since the uh, since the nineties as well, and in in the Philippines and many of the other countries in the region. So, so my uh, background isn't regional specific. It was, you know, a more a global footprint. But I, you know, am aware of the challenges organisations have in terms of growing, growing global businesses, mm -hmm. whether they be in New York or Jakarta or, or London. You know that we've, we've, you know, we've been through. You know, at Macquarie, we went through all of that. And so, as you say, I think that's why uh, the Prime Minister was keen for me to um, uh, step up and take on this role, which I was very honoured, very honoured, and, and proud to do. On the Breakfast Grill this morning is Australia's special envoy to Southeast Asia, Nicholas Moore. On the other side of the break, we will dive into what potential Australia sees in deepening ties with this region and in what areas. BFM 89.9. You are listening to The Breakfast Grill. Brought to you by U-Mobile, Malaysia's number one 5G network. BFM 89.9, welcome back to The Breakfast Grill. This morning, I have the honour to speak to Nicholas Moore, Australia's Special Envoy to Southeast Asia. He is also the author of Canberra's latest strategy to deepen ties with Southeast Asia, a blueprint called Invested, Australia's Southeast Asia Economic Strategy to 2040. Now, Nicholas, it is interesting to see that Australia's bilateral trade with Southeast Asia was worth some 178 billion Aussie dollars last year, and that is actually larger than the trade numbers with the United States. But you did say that things are a little bit stagnant at this point, 14% uh, year-on-year growth. What potential do you see in Southeast Asia that can accelerate this going forward? Mm. Yeah, so we, we've said the trade position is good, but we think it could be better. So it's been growing, uh, when you look at the charts in our report, it's been growing at a, at a, at a good rate, at a constant, it, it's 14% yeah. of our total uh, trade. Uh, and it has been sort of pretty consistent at that level, but it's been growing. But it's been growing at the same rate as the Australian economy. And obviously, the region has been growing faster than the Australian economy. For sure, yeah. So we would like to see the growth ideally at the level that the region is growing at, which would be a, a faster level of growth uh, than we've seen to date. Now, we're very appreciative of the trade that takes place between Australia uh, and, the, and the region. Uh, all of those... 
customers both in Australia and the region have lots of choices. And so if they're buying our products and if we're buying the region's products, I think we should both be very pleased with that. We would, as I said, ideally like to see that that growth be at the growth rate of the region rather than the growth rate of Australia. But it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good outcome. Um, as we travelled around the region, the awareness of the Australian products was was very high, particularly in the supermarket and mm-hmm. the shops. You know, people do very much aware of the quality of the Australian brand when it comes to uh, food uh, and products of that nature. And as well as that, of course, from an energy uh, viewpoint, from a commodities viewpoint, in terms of here in, in Malaysia, we sell a whole natural gas, for example, yep. from, from Queensland. We buy a lot of refined fuel from Malaysia back the other way. So we have a strong commodity trading relationship, as well as the the uh, food and agricultural products. Agricultural products go into a lot of the goods produced in Malaysia and in Vietnam and other countries in the region. And of course, the the other special element we offer is educational services. For sure, yeah. So, uh, as we mentioned before, there's you know more than three hundred thousand Malaysians who have attended Australian universities. Uh, today, I had the uh, good fortune to visit the campus of Wollongong University here in, in Kuala Lumpur. And the last time I was in Kuala Lumpur, I visited the Monash University campus. Both of them are very inspiring uh, campuses in terms of the young people there, in terms of the courses they're offering. Monash with the medical focus, the focus uh, at Wollongong today, you've got for everything yeah. from hospitality to games to business, you know, such a variety of vocational focuses. Your, your mention about the stagnant sort of stagnant growth that we're seeing here reminds me of a report that I read once. I think it was from PwC, but it's from uh, many years ago. They said that Australian businesses were missing out on the growth of Southeast Asia and the wider Asia because of a culture of being, uh, I suppose, unwilling to deal with change or to operate in an Asian environment. Is that still an issue here? And, and what is being done to address this? Good. Well, we think we can do more in trade. And particularly, we think we can do more in investment, which I think really, Keith, does come to the they come to the point. So we've got a number of Australian companies who are active here, mm-hmm. uh, particularly data centres. So NextDC is building a big data centre here. Airtrunk has data centres here. Uh, we've got Lendlease that's been active in in Malaysia for many years as a as a property developer. We've got Cochlear, you know, the artificial yes. ear uh, company it does its manufacturing here. Ansel, of course, uh, historically very active. So we have a number of uh, very active Australian companies here, but we're ambitious for more. I guess is the yeah for sure uh, is, is yeah. the point. And so we make a number of recommendations in the report. I can go to about what seventy five different ones. Seventy five, seventy five, but we've grouped them in four different categories, Keith. So you're right, 75 is a big number. <laughs> Hard to get your mind around 75. So we, we've grouped them in four different categories uh, for people to think about. Uh, number one is raising awareness, which is it's from an Australian business viewpoint and more importantly from an Australian investor viewpoint. It's really easy to go to New York or go to London. You know, the capital markets are set up. They're massive markets. Even go to China yeah. or Japan. They're just big, easy markets. Southeast Asia, of course, you've got a whole range of smaller markets. And so from a simplicity viewpoint, it's easier to go to the, the bigger markets rather than the smaller markets. So the question is, how do we raise the awareness of the opportunity? And, and our, you know, sort of big picture view is, look, we've seen the growth of Japan in the 50s. That was great. Yeah. We saw Taiwan and Korea follow that. 
that and China yeah. most recently. And I think we all see that what's happening in Southeast Asia is a follow-on, you know, of these high-flying geese as they, yeah. as they talk about it. The growth here will be a lot higher than in all the established markets. And I don't think that's a controversial statement to make. So the question is, that's the big picture story. So we now try to say, okay, well, you individual company, you individual investor, how can you access that growth? Mm-hmm. How can you actually get engaged? Yes, it's harder than just going to New York or, or San Francisco or somewhere where the you know, tech industry is happening. Yes, it might be a bit harder, but look at the rewards. So you're talking about setting up trade councils here? Yes. Yeah, so we, yeah. we've got a range of different recommendations in terms of so it's coming back to them. They're in four boxes. Yeah. So number one is raising awareness. Secondly is removing barriers. Right. You know, and we've done a lot historically, uh, particularly between Australia and Malaysia. We've got the free trade agreement. We're looking at upgrading it. We've got the Australian, New Zealand, Asian yes. free trade agreement. We've got a range of agreements like that that puts in the architecture for free, uh, free or, or low barrier. Um, but we still have barriers there. Yeah. So, um, you know, here in Malaysia, talking about visa restrictions in terms of people coming to work here. When I'm in Australia, uh, when I'm here, people are talking about the restrictions in Australia on visas. So we have that natural... Oh, I, I have uh, some beef on that, yes. <laughs> okay, so we've got, we got a two-way problem on visas that would be good if we could resolve. Right? So think we've also got investment approval. We've got things like FERB in Australia. Okay, how can we deal with those sorts of barriers? So we've got... So number one is raising awareness. Number two is removing the barriers, yes. notwithstanding we're in a pretty good position. Number three, which is really important is this building capability, building right. capacity in both economy. Because both economies are, are facing similar challenges where we need qualified people, people with experience, governments with experience. How do we share the lessons? How do we share the resources? How can we share the development? Yeah. You know, In Australia, we're in, involved in energy transition, as you are here in Malaysia. In, in Australia, we think we need 250,000 people, trained people we don't have for the energy transition. Similar story here in Malaysia, right? similar size country. If we look at aged care, you know, quite a few questions when I was here last time and now about aged care. Malaysia is looking at aged care, wants, needs people who are qualified in aged care. We've got a big aged care industry in Australia, but actually we need a lot more aged care workers in Australia. Yeah. You need aged care workers here. How do we develop the workforce to deal with that? Technology and IT, obviously both countries are digitalising, have digitalised. We need a lot more people with those skills. How do we develop them together and how do we actually uh, share that? So that's the capability building. And the final category is investing, where the government can use its balance sheet to help facilitate the private sector right. investing. So we've got a range of recommendations uh, there, one of which coming back to the universities we talked about before, the University of Wollongong or Monash or what have you, our government gives money to our universities for research. What we're recommending is just don't give it to the Australian campuses mm-hmm. of the university, let's give it to the campuses of the universities here in Malaysia or in Vietnam and Indonesia, so they can focus their research on local problems as well as you know, uh, well as uh, you know, broader global problems. So that's that's one of the ways in terms of doing it. Coming back to your point about more trade offices, we have yeah. trade offices on the ground here. We've got chambers at the moment, uh, chambers of commerce, focus on Malaysia and Australia. Question is, what can we do to get it better? And the government will have a focus in terms of one of the areas the prime minister announced a focus in terms of actually adding government resources to helping those 
those chambers of commerce, helping those trade missions, helping that knowledge of what's available. One of the campaigns in particular I'd be keen on is in Australia, having a campaign to be saying to Australian companies, why not buy Asian? So if you're looking at buying products to stock your shelves, always make sure you look at the Asian alternative as well. So that's, again, one of the areas that the government's picked up and is keen to go on. If we come back to the issue with visas, I mean, when it comes to business, time is money. And I do remember that when I wanted to go to Australia, I could just book a ticket, apply for a visa, I get it straight away and I can fly the same night. But my experience in the last few months is that I need to come up with a lot of documents, a lot of photographs, and it took about a week and a half before I got my visa approved. How is that easing people movement? Exactly right. Well, it's not. This is home affairs. And I think it's the same when you open a bank account. You know, when I opened a bank account when I was when I was younger, right, it, you just walked into the bank and you had a bank account. Now you've got all the KYC, now your customer requirements you have to go through. And, and Keith, it's a bit like the visa oh, situation. That, that's another beef I have. <laughs> yes, exactly. So a very similar problem. And the question is, how can we, between our governments, make that easier? And, and as I was saying, it's very much a two-way story in terms of making it easy. Because mm-hmm. it's the same way Australians coming to Malaysia, as you can guess, there's a whole range of restrictions. So we'd like to really simplify that. One of the things we suggest is a, is a concierge service, for example, where there's a lot of Malaysian investment in Australia, make that easy for further follow-on investment, make it easy for new people who want to invest in Australia. And similarly, you have that here in in Malaysia in terms of people wanting to invest here. How can we build that and make it easier and seamless? particularly, you know, on a bilateral, but also on a, on a regional basis to, to allow that flow to take place. Further on, on that topic of uh, moving people, we don't actually have direct flights, yeah. that many direct flights between Kuala Lumpur and anywhere in Australia, except for those serviced by Malaysian Airlines. Exactly. I think the last time Qantas flew here was in 1999 and ANSAT sadly doesn't do it anymore yeah. since they, yeah. they went under. What's being done to address this? Well, one of our recommendations again, uh, Keith, thank you for these questions, by the way, they're excellent. <laughs> <laughs> really uh, re- really go to the, our report. So one of the re- recommendations we have is open skies from a regional viewpoint where it matches the national interests of both countries. How can we have open skies? Because mm-hmm. the point of people movement, the point of the price of people movement, if we're talking about tourism in Malaysia, which we'd love to promote, tourism in Australia we'd like to promote, education two ways, people movement as we are talking about before, you need flights and you need cheap flights and you need direct flights. And we would like to see a lot more of those uh, become available. And as well as that, it's not just the people moving, but of course, in the in the body of the of the jet is all the freight. So, right. so many of the, you know, the food we're talking about, the high value product moves in the, and the high value electronics and all the rest moves in the belly of the aircraft. So the more people we have moving between the two countries, the more trade we can put in in the belly of the aircraft. Now, as we know globally, post-COVID, we still are short capacity in the airline industry. We're short pilots, we're short crew, yeah. and we're short uh, the metal, we're short the aeroplanes itself. So this is a, an area that all the airlines are working on to be building capacity up. And when we get that capacity built in, I'm very hopeful we'll see a lot more travel between the region and Australia because, Keith, I mean, I, you know, I've been flying up to the region quite a lot recently, as you can guess, and I can tell you it's hard to get flights. They're very expensive. It shouldn't be like this. It should be a lot easier than it is today. It's been getting easier, by the way, as the post-COVID period happens. But we've put as you know, central one of our recommendations is how do we get open skies happening across the region? You know, subject, of course, always to the national interest of the different countries. Nicholas, thank you very much for sharing your thoughts and all 
the best in, in your job. Okay, thank you very much, Keith. Uh, on, it's been a, been a pleasure. On The Breakfast Grill this morning, I was speaking to Nicholas Moore, Australia's special envoy to Southeast Asia. I'm Keith Calm for BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The BFM Breakfast Grill, brought to you by U-Mobile, Malaysia's number one 5G network. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.